I shut the door behind me and I got the Funk and Wagnalls dictionary out and I made a commitment to memorize that dictionary. And I started to read each word and my mom would test me on 30 words a day. I had to spell them, I had to use them in a sentence, I had to get a meaning that was accurate. And I spent the day learning 30 words a day every single day until my vocabulary was strong enough to pass school. About a year later, not quite a year, I'm now starting to do more and more in school. I'm reading every day, I'm, uh, I'm reading encyclopedias, I'm reading dictionaries, I'm, I'm really like insanely reading and doing everything I can to learn how to do this. And my mom came up to me and she said, son, your birthday's coming up, what do you want for your birthday for Christmas? And I said, mom, I want the greatest teachings on the face of the earth, the greatest writings that every human being has been great, has created. I want the, literally the greatest things I could learn. So she called her brother, who was a professor at MIT, who was a physicist and chemist, and as a gift, he sent two giant six by six by six foot wooden crates to our house on a flatbed truck. And I sat and I started reading 18 and 20 hours a day. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, today's guest is amazing. Uh, I just finished interviewing Dr. John Martini. Now, get this, and I'm not, you are hearing this correctly, John has personally read over 30,000 books in his lifetime. He has been presenting and doing workshops on human performance for 45 years, and just for fun, he said uh, he wanted to surf the big waves in the North Shore in Hawaii at, uh, for his 65th birthday. Now, so John is vibrant, he's energizing, he's articulate, I mean, he travels around the world doing 300 to 350 presentations a year for his high-performance workshops and breakthrough academies. And one of the things that John is just so good in this interview is just articulating, you know, what is it we need to do to go to the next level? Every single person listening to this show, you matter. You have a purpose. You have core values. And he takes you through his format for the values factor, which is his book, one of his books, uh, and articulates that uh, component or his framework for you. So thank you for that, listening. And uh, you're probably going to have to <laughs> listen to this episode at least three or four times just to get all the words of wisdom that John shares with you, as well as his, his, his amazing story uh, about how he overcame some um, significant difficulties as a person growing up. With that, this show is sponsored by Consulting Resource Group. We produce psychological tools and assessments, but really solutions to help you to live, lead, and work on purpose. And our goal really as a company is to help you to realize your full potential and for you to live your purpose. If it's our values assessment, and John's talking about values in this interview, or our values e-course, or our personal style indicator e-course, or if you are professional and you want to get certified on our tools or learn about all of them, then that is an option for you as well with our PMAC, Professional Mastery and Assessment Certification. If you haven't done so, work on yourself. Our ability to serve others is equal to or less than our own development. Now with that, thank you for listening. Please share, pass it on, leave a positive comment on whatever uh, platform you're listening on. And Today, enjoy 
the interview with Dr. John D. Martini. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Success. Here's today's episode. Welcome to The Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, I am privileged to have one of the foremost global experts on really human behavior, what drives us, how we work, and uh, Dr. John D. Martini. Now, did I say that right, John? You certainly did. Thank you. Man, I just worked hard on that one. Who has now been in this industry. Did you say you were speaking 47 years before we went live? I'm over the 47-year mark now. Okay, that's not even right. But anyways, <laughs> with that being said, you have a little bit of experience, and so the audience is just going to have a delightful time with listening with your story and journey today. So we'll thank Teresa for referring you as a guest. So thanks for making the time, John, to join us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. So, uh, Dr. John, when we think about life and where we've gone and where we're going, and we'll get into some of your work around values here in a minute, but you've been in this industry for quite a bit. What was the driving force when you were younger? What really got you into this industry in the first place? Well, that's a great question. I, I was born with a, a speech impediment, and I had to wear buttons and strings in my mouth from age one and a half to about four. Hey, hang on. Explain this. Help, help my ignorance on this. A button and strings. They did muscle exercises for my mouth to try to use my mouth to be able to start to say things properly. I couldn't speak very well. Wow. And I think that was, a, that was a bit of a factor. Then I was also born with my arm and leg turned inward. So I had to wear, from about one half to two to four, I had to wear braces on my arm and leg, kind of like a Forrest Gump kind of thing. And then when I was in first grade, uh, when I was trying to read, like yourself, because you said you had some dyslexia in the background, I also was that way, and I, I just couldn't read. No matter what I did, I just wasn't able to do it. And I went from normal reading to remedial reading to eventually wearing a dunce cap in 1960. You know, that's what you did. And wow. uh, I was uh, told by my first grade teacher in front of my mom and dad that I'm afraid your son will never be able to read. He'll never be able to write. He's got uh, speech problems. He's not going to be able to communicate effectively. He'll never mount a thing, never go very far in life. And Don't you just love first grade teachers like that? Well, you know, I am grateful because I think that was the void I needed. I am always say that anything you can't say thank you for is baggage. Anything you can say thank you for is fuel. So I didn't see it that way then, but I can certainly mm. say thank you today. But I, I, I made it through elementary school by learning to ask intelligent kids questions because they would, they would read and then they would tell me what they read and I made them feel important. And I learned how important it is to ask quality questions. Because as you know, the quality of your life is based on the quality of the questions you ask. So that was a, another little milestone and helper in our life. Then I lend up, uh, my parents moved from Houston, Texas to Richmond, Texas. We lived in a very low socioeconomic area. And there was no smart kids where I was going to school then. And I got beat up in school by people. And, and I was considered a dummy and stuff. And so I ended up dropping out of school. I started leaving home at 13, and I was a street kid. Really? So I, uh, but I wanted to get into sports, and surfing, believe it or not, was one of the sports I took up. And Texas was not a surf capital. So at 14, I hitchhiked to California to ride waves in California to make my way to Hawaii. At 15, I went to Hawaii, and I lived on the North Shore. I 
first lived under a bridge, then under a park bench, then in a bathroom, and then an abandoned car. And I worked myself socially climbing until abandoned house I finally found. And um, I was a surfer. And then I nearly died at 17. And I was in my tent at the time. And luckily, a lady found me. I'd been unconscious for three plus days. And she found me and helped me recover, got me up and gave me some liquids and stuff. And, and that led me to an old food store, which led me to a little class. I never went to classes, but something intuitively said to go to this class by this elderly gentleman named Paul Bragg. And then one day, one night, this one man with one message got to me. And he spoke and he said that we have the power of our body, mind, and spirit, as he said. And the body must be guided by the mind. Mind must be guided by the soul. That's his language he used. He said, if you want to master your life and that you want to, what you think about, what you visualize, what you feel about yourself, what you say to yourself, and the actions you take can make a difference in your life. And when he spoke, he's like, you, you listen to him. And that, that night, I, I, for the first time in my life, I thought maybe I could overcome my learning problems and I could someday become intelligent. Hmm. So here you are, uh, dyslexic, speech, speech impediment, bullied, picked on, didn't go to school. Uh, by the way, John, what what were you? What did you almost die from when you were unconscious for three days? Strychnine and cyanide poisoning. From you were drinking something from a bad source, or no, I was that? eating. I was eating toxic plants that were growing on the beach because I was living off kind of whatever I could find, and I didn't realize that this stuff was that toxic. But it, I. Um, yeah, I almost died from that. And then I, I, I tell you what, that night I saw a vision and dream of standing in front of a million people speaking. It was sort of a, probably a dissociative identity disorder at the time, but it was so vivid. And I had that vision painted by a famous painter in Melbourne, Australia named Andrew Tischler. And it sits in my office as a reminder of that special moment. And that was the dream of learning how to overcome my learning problems, learning how to read, learning how to uh, become intelligent, and I want to become a teacher. And I want to go to every country on the world and learn as much as I could and teach as much as I could. And that's been my dream. So for 47-plus years now, going on 48, I, um, I've been doing nothing but that all these years. Um, and thank you for that, John, and thanks for contributing to humanity all those years and decades, in fact. Now, the, uh, you're going to have to do something very special for the 50th. And now I want to be invited, but that was that was self promotion. Well, you know, for me for interjecting, but in in uh, nineteen, I guess seventy one, I was surfing at Haleiwa, which is on the north shore of Oahu, and there was a guy out who was sixty five years old named Lord Bear surfing with one of the Benson girls, one of the famous girls surfers. And I thought, wow, I was 16 at the time. I said, when I'm that age, 65, I want to go surfing on the North Shore. So on my 65th birthday, literally on the day, I was out in the water at 6 a.m. on the North Shore surfing uh, Lani Akea and Pipeline. Mm. And I got to surf, oh, about 14-foot waves on my 65th. I did it. So, you know, if you set a goal to something and it's deeply meaningful and you're willing to, you know, work towards it, it's amazing what you can do. And now I've set that for 100, so I'm going to go surfing again on the North Shore when I hit 100 now. I'm, I'm in. I'm in, and congratulations on that. Now, I just want to back up for the listeners. Where did this class or this event happen where you said, well, I wanted to go to this class? Was this in Hawaii, or where was this? It was, it was in Hawaii, 
I was in Haleiwa at the Vim and Vigor health food store, and I was walking out, and a guy who saw me with the symptoms of strychnine, which are spasms, said, man, you need to take a yoga class, man, because you're all screwed up. Because I kind of looked like Joe Cocker, mm. uh, whether my hands were moving. And because uh, it, it causes a lot of spasms and stopped my diaphragm. That's what I almost died from. And then he, um, he said that, and I was leaving the health food store that, that uh, a couple days later, and I saw a little flyer on the door saying special guest speaker Paul C. Bragg at this yoga class. And so because the word yoga had stuck in my mind, and I saw that word, and I could at least understand that word, I, something intuitively said, go to that class. Mm. Now, mm. I, uh, I got to share this. Uh, it was so inspiring that night. I mean, it was, I wish I could have shared that with everybody. But later on, many years later, I was speaking in Hawaii, doing my signature program, The Breakthrough Experience. And uh, in the back of the room, a little short four foot seven uh, woman walked in with a hat on, long hair, and a little pink dress. And uh, I saw her come in. I didn't know exactly what she was or who she was, but at, at the break, the next break, she came forward to me, walked up to me, and she grabbed my hand. And uh, she looked me straight up. She's four foot seven. She looks up at me and she said, my name is Patricia Bragg. And she said, mm. I, I was just listening to you speak and you remind me of my father. Wow. Wow. A really, really amazing moment to um, realize that this gentleman inspired me. And here I am now, you know, many, many years later, 40 years later almost, uh, mm -hmm. with his daughter. She was probably 80 at the time. And uh, there she was. It was quite inspiring. Cool. Well, John, one of your gifts is really to help people to get to the other side, to see what their potential is. And, and we'll come to the value specifically here in a minute. But before we get there, uh, there was a lot of, there could be a lot of people listening to this, or maybe they could share it with individuals who really have, maybe they're not hopeless, but they've lost a certain amount of vision or hope. Uh, as I had done when I was younger and when you were there as well, what would you like to say to the audience members as far as how do I get out of this hole, this pit, or how do I move towards what you are describing there of what is possible? Well, I'm a believer that every human being, regardless of age or gender or culture, uh, has an intrinsic set of values, priorities, things that are most to least important in your life. And whatever's truly most meaningful, most inspiring, most important to their life, what's highest on their values, they are spontaneously are inspired from within to fulfill it. There's an intrinsic yearning and calling to go and fulfill that. Even if it's like a young boy doing video games, he doesn't need to be motivated extrinsically to do the video games. But you might have to motivate him to do his chores, homework, and clean his room. Mm -hmm. so finding out what that one thing is, as Gary Keller says, and identifying what's truly most intrinsically important and meaningful, and structuring your life around that, and giving yourself permission to pursue that, that deeply meaningful thing, that makes a contribution. Because whenever we're filling our days with high-priority actions that are deeply meaningful to us, our day doesn't fill up with low-priority distractions that don't. And whenever we're doing that, what we do is we end up having to maximize our awareness and potential. We maximize our space and time horizons and expand ourselves. 
we start to get blood glucose and oxygen into the executive center of the brain where we're able to see visions, be strategic in planning. We start to want to spontaneously execute the plans and we have self-governance. And we start maximizing our potential and we see possibilities. And the moment we live congruently according to that, the belief in ourselves skyrockets because we start walking our talk instead of limping our life. And we start awakening the natural born genius and leader that's intrinsically in there wanting to express itself. Instead of subordinating and conforming to the herd mentality around us mm. and, and losing our individuality and fitting in, we're here designed to stand out as a unique expression of our own magnificent, unique set of values that we hold. And giving ourselves permission to do that and giving ourselves permission to make the difference. We can't make a difference fitting in. We make a difference standing out is one of the turning points in people's lives. And it doesn't matter where you started, what you've been through, what you're going through. What matters is do you have that dream and can you awaken that and honor that and take prioritized daily actions towards the fulfillment of that and delegate everything else away as best possible so you can fulfill something meaningful and pursue something that's fairly exchanged with others as a service to get the rewards you want financially. Mm. Well, I couldn't agree with you more, John. I mean, that's basically our three decades of work that we've done as well is that every single person has a purpose uh, and that our job and responsibility is to really uncover and confirm what that is. Exactly. If I'm, if I'm a person that's listening to this show and John, I really have no idea what the answer to that question is. Uh, how do, where do I start? Where do I begin to start figuring out, you know, who am I supposed to be? I mean, we know what the stats show is that the majority well, of people are lost or, or yeah. haven't confirmed. I don't, I don't want them to supposed to be anybody. I want them to be intrinsically them because the supposed to's and the got to's and the have to's and the must and the shoulds and the ought to's from the extrinsically deontologically derived sources of fitting in is not where the, the, the power is. Fair it's enough. about looking within and have that still knowing inside. I ask people, if I ask somebody what their values are, most people will tell you the idealisms of society given by mothers, fathers, preachers, teachers, conventions, traditions, and religions of the world around them. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in what our life demonstrates because our life actually demonstrates our perceptions, decisions, and actions are an expression of what we value most. Finding out what we do. I, I have 13 criteria that helps me identify what's really important to people. I look at how they fill their space because things that are really important to they keep around them and things that are not they discard and they push away. I look at how they spend their time. They make time, find time, spend time on things that are really valuable to them and they don't want to spend time on things that don't, that doesn't have any meaning. Mm -hmm. I look at what they are energized because when they're doing something they really are inspired by, they have more energy at the end than when they started and they're not drained. I look at what they spend their money on. They find money, make money, spend money on things that are empowering to them and what they love and things that's not, they don't want to spend money on. I look at where they're most organized and ordered in their life. I look at where they're most disciplined and spontaneously reliable. I look at what they think about, visualize, and internally dialogue with themselves about most, about how they want their life that shows evidence of coming true. Not fantasies, but real evidence. I look at what they most consistently, spontaneously converse with other people about, want to bring conversations to. I look at what inspires them and what's common to the people who inspire them. I look at what it is that they they have is a consistent, persistent set of goals that have been actually coming true. What are those key ones that are coming true? And I look at what they spontaneously want to read, study, learn about, listen to, and watch on video and YouTube spontaneously. 
and I look at what's common to those and what reiterates themselves as answers in those 13 value determinants to give me a great idea of what their really life is demonstrating they're committed to. Not what they fantasize, not what they think it should be, but what their life really demonstrates they're committed to. And that is the starting point. That's the foundation. Because whatever's highest on our value is what Aristotle called the telos, the end in mind, the teleological purpose that has the most mm -hmm. meaning in us. So if I want to get there, and I'm unclear about some of these answers, or I'm already spending some time and it's not as fulfilling as I'd like it to be, what are the steps that you recommend, uh, Dr. John, for me to, to begin this process of clarity? Well, if, they, if they'd like, there's a, there's a complimentary, there's a free complimentary um, value determination process on the website. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but on drdmartini.com. Oh, and absolutely. The, we we they, want, they uh, we want listeners that. to be able to go to the next level. So if there's anything there, for sure. Well, if they can go on the website, drdmartini.com, and go to the value determination process, it's a 13 questionnaire. It'll take them 30 minutes, and it'll be as the answers will be based on the integrity they put in it. I would recommend them doing it now. I'd recommend doing it a week from now, a month from now, and every three months to look because there's slight tweaks to our values as we evolve. Sometimes there's cataclysmic events that can change them, but we are constantly tweaking them as we adapt. And and the key is to identify what that is and be honest about those answers. And it goes through and it gives you check by check exactly what to do and how to do it. And when you're done, you'll have a beautiful uh, private chart about what your values are, what's priority to you. And then you can check it over a period of time, like I say, a week, a month, a quarter, et cetera, and look at the, the refinement and polishing of those values so you get an idea. And then it's about giving yourself permission to start structuring your life according to priorities. Because if you don't fill your day really with high-priority things that inspire you, it's going to fill up with low-priority distractions. Don't. Nobody's going to get up in their morning and dedicate their life to your fulfillment. Nobody. They're going to get up and dedicate your life to the fulfillment of their values, and they're going to project that onto you. And most are going to be opportunistic, and they're going to try to do what they can to do what they think is best for you. And if you don't decide, everybody else decides. If we don't empower ourselves intellectually, we'll be told what to think. If we don't empower ourselves in business, we'll be told what to do. If we don't empower ourselves financially, we'll be told what we're worth. If we don't empower ourselves in relationship, we'll be probably trapped in something unfulfilling but feel trapped. If we don't empower ourselves socially, we'll probably be living by some propaganda. If we don't empower ourselves physically, we'll be told what drugs to take and what organs to remove. If we don't empower ourselves spiritually, we may be living by some dogma that's irrational and highly polarized. We've got to give ourselves permission to decide intrinsically what's truly meaningful and take command as master of our fate, captain of our ship, and the one that has some sort of feeling of a higher design and order that they want for their lives. Well, John, one of the things, and thank you for that, you're, you're really sharing in, in absence of a definition or absence of clarity, then that vacuum will be filled by something. And it's not necessarily going to be what is best for you or what you value, but somebody's going to backfill that somewhere <laughs> for it. And you mentioned it earlier that a lot of times if we haven't done this values clarification, we've had all these external forces or dynamics that are influencing or have influenced our decisions. So if I have some of those things that are around me, what is your suggestion to maybe overcome uh, some of those barriers from the past or some of those influences from the past? Well, anytime we put people on pedestals and we exaggerate them, we we'll tend to minimize ourselves relative to them. And we'll be too humble to admit what we see in them inside us. 
And then Emerson said, envy is ignorance and imitation is suicide. We're not here to live in the shadows of anyone. We're here to stand on the shoulders of great giants by being as authentic as they are in their own path. But if we put people on pedestals and we think they're smarter than us, more successful than us, have more wealth than us, have a more stable relationship than us, more socially savvy than us and connected, more physically fit or more spiritually aware, the moment we compare ourselves to others instead of comparing our own daily actions to our own highest values, mm. we've automatically disempowered ourselves because we're trying to compare ourselves to others. Emerson said it beautifully that way about when envying and imitating. And Einstein said that, uh, you know, it's, it, what made me a, a leader was not subordinating to other people. And the thing is, he said, if you're a cat and you're expecting to swim like a fish, you're going to beat yourself up. If you're a fish expecting to climb a tree like a cat, you're going to beat yourself up. But if you honor yourself for who you are, you won't. We're designed to beat ourselves up as a feedback mechanism when we're not authentic. And we're most authentic when we live congruent with our own values. So instead of looking up to them, go and discover what you see in them inside yourself. Because nothing's missing in you. Nothing's missing in you inside. You just may not be aware yet and maybe too humble to admit yet that you have whatever you see in them that you admire. And that also works for the people sometimes we despise. Well, everybody's a reflection of what's really inside us, and there's nothing missing in us. And a real master of life is the one that embraces their hero and villain, if you will, their saint and their sinner. They embrace both sides of themselves because they know that it's impossible to get rid of part of themselves. When they finally realize that, they, they liberate themselves from all the judgments and get focused on priority. Because when mm. we're really doing something that's executively functioned, we do things by priority and we fulfill our lives. If not, we get caught in the amygdala, running from pain, seeking pleasure, searching for that which is not available and trying to avoid that's not avo that which is not avoidable. So true. Uh, John, you're so darn articulate. It is, uh, I'm not trying to be envious or put you on a pedestal, but well done, my friend. So with that, I just want to digress for a second is, you know, when I was in high school, I was uh, suicidal. I was put on antidepressants because I was uh, told I was never good enough. Or my dad always said that I talked too much. And it's interesting, uh, just recently I've been doing, I've done 3,000 presentations around the world in, um, like you traveled. And at the end of the presentation, not that recently, I said, man, I, I love this more than I ever have. So you talked about this congruence. So my question back to you is to scroll way back, you know, 15 minutes ago in our discussion, is what characteristics or traits did you embrace to overcome all of this luggage or baggage that you decided, I'm going to be intelligent. I decided that I'm going to be articulate. What were the character traits and behaviors and things did you embrace to be able to get there? Well, I'll tell, you a bit, the audience. I'll tell you a bit of a story. When I first left Hawaii, I was 18, 1973 now. And um, I hitchhiked, well, I flew to California, hitchhiked back to Texas. I had long hair and a, and a, a beard, and I was one of those kind of 60, 70 guys. And um, I came home, and my mom didn't recognize me. My dad and sister drove right past me as I was hitchhiking. And I got in, and I, they, about a week later, I'm guessing, since I was home, they said, why don't you take a GED, a high school equivalency test, because it, you might need that for a job. And I said, what do I need to do? I went down, and I took this test, and Paul Bragg told me, when I told him I didn't know how to read, he said, I want you to say one little thing to yourself every single day and never miss a day saying it. And he said, if you say it every single day, sooner or later, the cells of your body will tingle with it, so will the world. He said to say, I'm a genius and I apply my wisdom. 
And when I first said that, I didn't even know what that meant. And of course, a lot of people laughed at that when I did say it. So I kept it to myself. But I said that every day, and I took this test, and for some miraculous reason, I guessed and I passed. I couldn't even read half the questions, didn't know what they meant, but I just closed my eyes, used a pencil, filled in a little, you know, a little dot, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I passed. And I started, when I passed, I thought, wow, there's some sort of power in this little affirmation. And then I took a, a college entrance exam, you know, a couple weeks later. So my parents said, well, you know, you never know. You might be able to go back to school. And they encouraged me to do that. And I took that, and I did the same thing, and I passed. And I'm actually starting, and I now have a high school degree in my mind, and I'm now able to go to college. And it was, like, so exhilarating. And then I tried to take my first college class, which was a history class. And I thought the same thing was going to happen. But this time when I took my test and I got my results the next day outside the, the classroom, everybody else was above 72. I had 27. And I was the only person that failed. And I did not want to see anybody or talk to anybody. I ran to my car and I cried in the car. I sunk down low because I didn't want anybody to see me. I finally drove home. I curled up in the fetal position in a sunken living room at my parents' house underneath this little Bible stand, which sits in my office today, by the way. Mm. And uh, I was really having a low moment because I thought, I don't have what it takes. And I could hear my first grade teacher whispering in my head. And my mom came home from shopping, and she said, she saw me there crying. She hadn't seen me cry since I was young. And she said, son, what happened? What's wrong? I said, mom, I blew the test. I guess I don't have what it takes. I guess I'll never be able to read or write, never communicate, never amount thing, never go very far in life. I'm so sorry, mom, but I just don't think I can do this. And she just paused for a second. She didn't know what to say. And finally, she put her hand on my shoulder, and she said, son, whether you become a great teacher, healer, and philosopher and travel the world like you claim, what you want to do, whether you return to Hawaii and ride giant waves like you've done, or whether you return to the streets and panhandle as a bum, I just want to let you know that your father and I are going to love you no matter what you do, boy. We just love you. When she said that, it's exactly what I needed. Mm. My hand went into a fist, and I looked up, and I saw the vision I saw that night with Paul Bragg when he's speaking in front of a million people. I, I said to myself, I'm in a massive thing called reading and studying and learning, and a massive thing called teaching, healing, and philosophy, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to travel whatever distance. I'm going to pay whatever price to give my service of love. I got up, and I put my hand and arms around my mom, and I said, Mom, thank you. I needed to hear that. And she just looked at me, and we had a kind of a moment together. And then I went into my room, and I, got, uh, I shut the door behind me, and I got the Funkin' Wagnalls Dictionary out, and I made a commitment to memorize that dictionary. And I started to read each word. And my mom would test me on 30 words a day. I had to spell them. I had to use them in a sentence. I had to get a meaning that was accurate. And I spent the day learning 30 words a day every single day until my vocabulary was strong enough to pass school. Wow. Within a year, about a year later, not quite a year, I'm now starting to do more and more in school. I'm reading every day. I'm, uh, I'm reading encyclopedias. I'm reading dictionaries. I'm I'm really like insanely reading and doing everything I can to learn how to do this. And my mom came up to me and she said, son, your birthday's coming up. What do you want for your birthday for Christmas? And I said, mom, I want the greatest teachings on the face of the earth, the greatest writings that every human being has been great has created. I want literally the greatest things I could learn. And she said, well, you sure you don't want a t-shirt? I said, no, no, ma'am. I just want the greatest writings by the greatest minds who ever lived. Well, let me see what I can do. 
So she called her brother, who's a professor at MIT, who's a physicist and chemist, and as a gift, he sent two giant six by six by six foot wooden crates to our house on a flatbed truck. No way. And they loaded them on the ground and opened up with a crowbar and filled up my room, literally a virtual library of thousands of books, and filled my room and had my little yoga mat in the center of it so I could see the sunrise. And I sat and I started reading 18 and 20 hours a day until my vocabulary was strong enough until I was learning in every imaginable field I could get my hands on. Anything to do with maximizing human awareness potential, anything to do with the evolution of human consciousness, anything to do with doing something extraordinary with life, I was just absolutely devouring. And that led me to starting a, you know, teaching and started me giving my classes. And by the time I went to the University of Houston, I started having 100 to 150, sometimes up to 400 people a day under the trees asking me questions. When I went on to professional school, I started having classes seven nights a week, and it never stopped. I really believe that if you really, 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 really have something you're inspired to do, then nothing mortal is going to interfere with an immortal vision. You just got to give yourself permission to do whatever it takes, travel whatever distance, pay whatever price to get that service out. Mm. Well, that is an amazing and inspiring story, John. I read somewhere in your bio that you have reviewed 30,000 books in your lifetime. Yeah, it's 30,368 books now. You are, you are tracking this. I keep a track on it. Wow. It was one of the most amazing things to be able to read a book. Wow. That's phenomenal. Yet, is it 80 or 85% of the population don't read a book after college? Yeah, I think, you know, not that that's the only way to learn. There's many ways of learning, but I just felt like I could take a lifetime's worth of learning and get it condensed in a beautiful book and I could save myself an enormous amount of time. And I wanted to study universal laws. I wanted to find the most, most empowering principles to build a foundation of knowledge on. So I, I basically, when I looked up universal laws, it led me to a thing called the Logos. And the Logos led me to ologies. So I went in the dictionary and encyclopedia and I made a list of every known ology that there was, every discipline you could study. And then I made a commitment to get a PhD equivalent of 100 books in each area and, and devour those and study those and decipher those. So I would have a more of a universal kind of, of under encyclopedic poly, you know, mathic kind of thinking. Mm. And, and that's mm -hmm. been my mission. And uh, so I wanted to make sure that when I delivered information, it was solid. It wasn't something fluffy. Holistic, well-rounded, deep, significant. All, whatever verb we want to use to describe it. Exactly. <laughs> I think people, if you're a teacher, I think people deserve to get the, the greatest information you can, you can glean. And I don't think anything less than that doesn't, it's not deserving mm -hmm. in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Well, John, we only have about a few minutes left. So first, before we kind of get into your final words of wisdom, how can people find out more about you? You've already mentioned your site for the values and then you also have the uh, Values Factor book. But go ahead and just give that information to the audience again. Yeah, my, my website is drdemartini.com, D-R-D-E-M-A-R-T-I-N-I.com. And then I also have, obviously, things on all the social mediums. But if you just look up my name, Dr. Demartini, um, and you go to the thing, you'll, you'll see it. And it's, it's an educational website. I don't know if you had enough chance to, to see it, but it has thousands of interviews on there. And um, it's got YouTube. It's, it's got everything imaginable to educate people, it, it, to help people empower all areas of their life. That's, that's the objective. 
And so they can go on there or they can go in. I do a lot of live, uh, you know, webinars and podcasts. And if you go on there and look at the events, it'll tell you where I'm at around the world. Now, we've had a little bit of changes because of the, the coronavirus, but, uh, but so there's a lot more online. But, yeah, I was speaking usually around 350 presentations a year and uh, doing about 1,000 interviews a year. So there's tons of those on there if, you, if people want to see them. Mm. Well, thank you, John. Uh, and listeners, make sure you do go there. So, uh, Dr. John, when we're thinking about sort of wrapping this up and putting a bow on it, and you have all this wisdom and this knowledge, what final sort of words of wisdom would you like to encourage the Secrets of Success audience with today? Well, the real truth is that the people have magnificence in them, and they don't allow themselves to honor it, and they play insignificant sometimes because of comparisons. So you're not here to compare yourself to others and put people on pedestals or pits. You're here to put people in your heart. And when you put people in your heart, it allows you to get back onto priority because you're doing something you love with the people you love. And you want to give yourself permission to do something extraordinary because the true you is extraordinary. The magnificence of who you are is far greater than any fantasies you'll ever impose on yourself by subordination to outer sources. And if you sit there and try to get others to live in your values, you'll end up futile. And if you try to live in other people's values, you'll be futile. But if you learn the art of communicating what you value in terms of other people's values, you'll be fertile. And I think that's the difference. And I think people got to give themselves permission to really dig inside and be truthful to themselves. Because the more authentic and more integral they are, the more profound their natural calling gives them rise to something extraordinary on the planet. And I believe that that's the difference that we all want to make. And I think mm. that we've got to give ourselves permission to be that. Mm. Well, thank you, John. Stay on the line with us, John. But thank you, Dr. John, for hanging out with us today. Well, thank you for having me be with you. And it's uh, lovely to have our conversation. Well, uh, Secrets of Success listeners, Dr. John Martini. And go to his site, find out about his book, The Values Factor, but he has lots of content. As he said, a thousand interviews. Uh, you want to set some time aside for that to be able to listen to all of those. And I want to encourage you what John has said. Every single person listening to this podcast matters. You matter. And so we want you to bring out the best in yourself. Take some of the strategies, the thoughts that John has shared with you. And we're so fortunate to have him on the show that he has shared this wisdom with you. Just accelerate that. Go to the next level. Again, thank you for spending your most valuable commodity with us. That's your time. If you like what we're doing, please pass it on, share it, leave a positive comment in whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you for listening to Secrets of Success. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.